0: Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the word and led by the spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. So we've been on a journey this last month where I've been yelling at you uh, that my job is not to flex my gifts and to be like, watch me teach, isn't it great? I don't know why that's my voice when I said that, but I did. But my job is to look at you and go, what's your giftings? What's the Holy Spirit put in you? And then go, let's, let's make you strong. Let's make you knowledgeable. Let's make you equipped to do the work of ministry because I said this two weeks ago and I still, I can still see faces in my head. I said, you're ministers, every one of you. If you are in Christ, you are a minister of the gospel of reconciliation. And I saw at least three faces. I could see them right now. I went like this. No, I'm not. So we're gonna have to decide today. Are we going to let the Bible tell us what we are, or are we going to let our past? Are we going to let the Bible tell us who we are, or are we going to let our feelings? Are we going to let the Bible dictate our lives, or are we going to go, I just want what I want? No, we're, gonna let the, we're Bible people. We are taught by the word and led by the spirit of God. And so I want to talk today about a topic that can feel really, but the reason we're talking about it, because of the Bible. So we started this month going, the gospel of Jesus Christ frees us from sin, death, and hell. He conquered it. Death died about 2,000 years ago, meaning Jesus flexed on it and was like, can't hold me? And now he offers life to all those that come to him. And that's a lot of us in this room. A lot of us in this room, you've come to Jesus Christ. Second week, you are ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors of God. God is appealing to the earth through you. Now, some of us are doing that in a weaker form than others, and I think that's probably what some of us feel, why we would shake our head no. Like, some of us are a little bit more quieter, softer spoken, and we're like, God's message is really quiet through me, but it's not. Because it's not about your voice, it's not about your ability, it's not about who you are, you are jars of clay full of the glory of God. And I don't know about you, I'm pretty cracked and pretty leaky, which is ample room for God to shine through and be like, don't listen to him, he's real weak. But this week is, so if God is helping people, Jesus Christ helps people by taking them from sin to repentance, from oppression to deliverance, from broken to healed, and all those 10 ways we've been talking about. And now you have been challenged. When you see someone that's broken and you ask, what would Jesus do? Go do it. Now we talked about, there's a barrier to that. I call it the awkward barrier. Where the moment you gotta like, step over cultural norms and everyone's like, who's the weirdo that's taking the Bible real serious? Hello. We're growing a family of weirdos. And not weirdos. Who do we follow? Just say Jesus. Don't say any other name, okay? Jesus. We're Jesus people. We're following, knowing, declaring, proclaiming, heralding, imitating, being, ministering like Jesus. How do I want you to minister? Like the Son of God. Why? Because you know him. And so people have asked me, why, why, are you, why are you on this rampage this month? Uh, and I'll, I'm going to open you up to the, the, my journals. My actual passion isn't so much manifestations or us to do prayer, healing many meetings, or prophetic voice, any of that. My actual passion is that you and I, you, everybody in this room, you are called to life with God. And you don't believe it. Love you. I want to know him. And here's what I found. Every man and woman on the planet, they have this innate, it's born in them because they were made by God for God. They're like, I want to know him, but I just don't think I can. But the Bible declares that by the gospel of Jesus Christ, you get to know God. You want me to make you say it out loud? I can know God. Now, now your level of that, you're like, I don't know. Maybe you know him better than I do. Maybe, but everybody in this room is invited to know the God that made you. It's why Jesus came. And so you can know God. And I don't mean like, hey, know about him. I don't think like just hear the, the little whisper of his voice. I mean, be intimate with God. Know his voice, know his ways, know his touch, know his kingdom. And you're like, wow, he's pretty passionate about this. I'm obsessed with this idea that we've allowed ourselves to be tamed in our desire for our king. Like, want him, but don't go too far. No, 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 don't let anybody tell you that you're close enough to God. Go after him, go find him. Wake up in the middle of the night. He is better than any earthly thing that we could offer you. The God of heaven and earth is where all fullness of joy is. And when you get him, you really get life. And so let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. John 14, 7, it says, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So we talk about, I wanna know God. Well, do you have Jesus? Well, that's the doorway in, and then we're just gonna, the rest of our lives, get as close as possible. So that when we get to heaven, I'm not like, oh, I'm just now meeting you. I'm like, I met you and I have walked with you all the days of my life. It's good to be home, Father. John 17, three says, this is eternal life, that they may, what's the word? Know you, that they would know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I can't even hit that word hard enough. It means no, and you're like, thank you. That's such a good definition of that word. It means how I'm talking to you. You know why the old saints used to write hymns that were like, I walk, he walks with me and he talks with me? Because he walked with them and he talked with them. And they were so elated and delighted that the God of heaven and earth had done what he had done through the man Jesus Christ and they could walk with God. And then you get into this Americanized version and we're like, I can know God, but not quite. And I'm like, no, you can know him. Not not only do I want you to know him, I want you to do a thing that is hard for us. I want you to enjoy him. Who here was ever taught fear God? Fear God, everybody, church kids, right? Who here was taught obey God? Good, because those are Bible things. You should fear the Lord. He is holy and he's definitely different. And if you come in front of him in a wrong manner, you die. You should obey him. Anybody ever taught to enjoy them? I got one. But that's a foreign idea. And it almost like offends us a little bit. It seems flippant. It seems almost like, uh, no, I'm just going to do this a lot and I'm going to be a servant and a slave. I'm not even worthy. But then why is the Bible full of these commands even? like, Why does God say, I didn't put a spirit of slavery in you? I put a spirit of sonship in you. Whereby we cry out, Abba, which is Dad. Why? Why is we given the right, and 1 Peter talks about the right to be called children of God. Maybe that's 1 John. Because that's what we are, children of God. And so when I say enjoy, you have catechisms you have questions what's the chief end of man to glorify god and what enjoy him forever glorify god enjoy him forever the psalm 37 4 says that we should light ourselves in the lord when's the last time when's the last time someone like me told you i want you to get giddy stupid happy about god i want you to get in his presence and i want you to love his voice I love His ways, love His word, love His coming, love His His presence, love His kingdom, love everything about Him. Delight in the Lord, enjoy Him. You see, even see this in Old Testament in Deuteronomy. It says, "Because you did not serve the Lord with joyfulness and gladness of heart, why does God care about that?" He's looking at His people and He's like, "You didn't serve Me with joyfulness and gladness. Why? Because in His presence is fullness of joy. So if you don't." have it then who do you not also have to have God is to have joyfulness and gladness and fullness and life abundant and I I look over the church I even look at my spiritual life uh, in the past years and I don't see a lot of joyfulness and I don't see a lot of gladness and I don't see a lot of the Lord's voice and I don't see a lot of presence I see a lot of obedience and fear and where God's moving us as a church right now is because we've feared and because we've obeyed he's leading us into presence and joy, in life. So not only do I think you can know God, I think you can enjoy him, and you should. But what we've been talking about is something a little even farther, which I'm gonna call partnership. Partnering with God on the earth. And now here's the thing, most of us, this is foreign to us because even when you were taught in your Baptist school, or not Baptist school, that was me, uh, in your Baptist church growing up, they were like, you better share the gospel because we didn't hit our quotas. You know what that is? That's shame and that's guilt. Shame and guilt are the language of Satan. Joy and life are the language of God. I share the gospel because I have found in Jesus the only thing that's ever satisfied my soul. I preach the gospel not because I have to go do something for my father so he'll be pleased with me. Jesus did that. I get to go do things like, dad, what are we doing today? You're like, that sounds flippant talk to God like that. Go read the Bible. Father, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do you want to do in this room? That's my new paradigm shift. That's what we've been talking about. When we're praying for people, father, what are you doing in this person's life? Not what do I want? What do you want? which is a whole different shift, right? Because normally when we pray for somebody, like, I really just think they need some joy, a little dash of peace, uh, bless them, you know? But then you get into this, Jesus walked the earth and touched people and they got well. Jesus walked the earth and demons reacted to his presence. You're like, that's the son of God, okay? Do you know him? And when you walk in, if he promised that he would never leave you or forsake you and that his spirit is in you, who's also with you with every room you walk And so I want us to partner with God, which is the verse we've been stuck on. 1 Corinthians five seventeen to 21 says that you are a minister of reconciliation. Once again, you know what the Bible form you Because I can feel it right now. I can feel the room like, but I'm not. I didn't live that life this week and I watched too much Netflix and I said, shucky darn, instead to shoot, you know, like, I didn't watch my mouth and my thoughts. You don't even know. And I'm like, I do know. But the Bible says that if I have come to Christ, like give me a 14-year-old that just said yes to Jesus. You know what they are? A minister of reconciliation. That they are ambassadors of Christ. And so as we go out and we are ambassadoring, not a word, As you go out and you are ministering, as you go out, and I hope there's a hunger in you, I want you to start with, I want to know God. Secondarily, I want to do the work of God. How do you know where to do it and how to do it? And his voice. And the voice of God is one of those topics where I don't think I'll make anybody happy today, which is fine. It's like my job just to like give you the Bible and let you wrestle with it. But there's these moments in the word where I read them and I'm like, I want to live the Bible like that. So go to Acts 13. Throughout the book of Acts, and people fight, is that prescriptive or descriptive? It's a little bit of both, which means it's supposed to not only describe what happened, it's supposed to tell us how it should happen. In Acts 13, you have another moment where the church is doing what we just did. They are worshiping, they are praying, they are fasting, they are seeking the Lord, and then the Lord does what we're seeing a lot of right now in this body. He's speaking. And so as a shepherd, I wanna talk about the Lord speaking and the Lord leading. And before we even ask, let me just ask this really generic question. Anybody in this room, if you're a Christian, has God ever led you? Someone's like, I don't know, did he? (laughs) All right, well, we want to go deeper? Anybody in this room, Christian, do you think God has ever spoken to you? Less hands, but still, and more shaky hands. That right. Very confident God led me, not so confident God spoke to me, all right? Anybody ever had another person come up to you, tell you that God spoke to, you, for, to them for you, and it freaked you out? And it was weird. You got the heebie-jeebies. And it was wrong. Anybody want to do that? A Bunch of hands really flew up on that. Right, so you get into this topic and we get nervous because you're like, don't tell the 20-year-olds they can hear God, they're gonna make a mess. And I'm like, yeah, that's why we're shepherds. What's the alternative? Shut down the voice of God. And we will not, we will not. I'll shepherd the mess until I die, but we will not shut up the mouth of God. We want him to speak good news is he has and this book tells us that he will that's why we're talking about what we're talking about so if this book said if the bible said god wrote the bible for us and now he's never going to speak again guess what we're not teaching on today god speaking but it doesn't say that if this book said those gifts aren't given anymore guess what we're not talking about those gifts but doesn't say that you can't find a verse that says it Therefore, being people of the book, we have to talk about how do you hear the Lord's voice? How do you discern that's God and that's pizza? How do you do that? How do you discern if that's just the zeal of a passionate young person and that's truly the spirit of the Lord trying to do a thing? Because if you're going to be an ambassador and a minister, here's the reality. An ambassador is sent by a king with all his authority and all his power to enact his rule. Guess who you know? The ruler of the kingdom of heaven and earth. You know him. And he said, go with my authority and my ministry. And so not only am I gonna go in his name, I'm going with him. All right, God, how do you wanna handle this? I think he knows better than me. Does he know better than you? So in Acts 13, you have some people gathered and they're in a church. There was in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Niger, Lucius, Manian, and Herod, who was a friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. So they, they're in a church. We're in a church. And it identifies some leaders in the church. And we have a hard time with some of these titles. There were prophets there, people that heard God. And then there's our teachers there. Now here's the biggest difference. And it's the quickest one. Teachers teach the text. You're a teacher when you teach scripture. You're a prophet when you say I hear the voice of the Lord and it's new. There's your difference. They are gathered and they are doing a very specific thing while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. So that we just worshiped, right? We were worshiping. Many of us were praying. We were gathered and doing the things that God wants us to do. They were gathered doing the things that God had commanded them to do and they had teachers and they had prophets and all of a sudden, what happens? The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So doing what we normally do, worshiping, fasting, praying, the teachers are there, the prophets are there, the Holy Spirit said. Anybody wanna know what that sounded like? I would love to have been there, man. I'm like, because it doesn't tell you, right? But all throughout the Bible, it's like, then the Holy Spirit wouldn't let us go to this area. And then the Holy Spirit said, do this. And then the Holy Spirit was like, and you're like, could you just tell me what that sounded like? Was that a vision? Did you just know? Like, or did you have a red telephone that said God on it and you picked it up? Like, what? What? <laughs> But it doesn't, right? And I think that's purposeful because as soon as God would have said A plus B equals hearing me, we would have turned him into a genie and then tried to use him. But he's the living God and he speaks, sees, and hears just fine. So we don't need to make this like a a formula. We need to understand that the living God is not dead. He does speak. And I believe, Not only do I believe that he speaks, I believe he wants to to all his kids. He wants to lead his kids. He didn't leave you an orphan, he came to you. He gave you the Holy Spirit, which is better than Jesus next to you. He promised that to the end of the age, I will be with you forever. So, why so many Christians, when we go to work, we're like, God's not with me. But when you come to church, you're like, God, nice to see you. He's like, I've been with you all week, dummy. Right? So we know it in our heads, but what we're learning as a church is we can know, all right, he's never gonna leave me, the Spirit's inside of me, but what gets scary is the moment where you step into living it and doing it and saying, not only do I think the Bible says the Holy Spirit speaks, but in a room, okay, guys, this is what I feel the Spirit's saying. That's scarier than just knowing it, right? And a little bit messier, 100%. But don't, I wanna live that. That we are worshiping and we are praying and we are fasting and we are serving and we are teaching. And then in the middle of all of that, we are less concerned with, hey, what do you guys think we should be doing? And we are all, all of us, this isn't like just leaders. This is the church of cobblestone is got their ear to heaven going, what do you want us doing? That's the kind of church I wanna be. And it seems when a church does that, then God's pleased to go, all right, well, you see that guy, Barnabas? You see that guy, Saul? Send him over there. And then it says, they, after they were done fasting and praying. So God spoke, and then they were like, we're gonna carry on praising and praying, thanking and fasting. And when they were done, then they laid hands, which is a sign of commissioning and empowerment. Now you go do what God told you to. So here's a question. And all good Jewish rabbis, they just ask good questions. And I'm not Jewish or a rabbi. But who will hear God? Who can hear God? Can you? Do you have any degrees? Have you ever been anointed? Do you have any letters after your name? Did you earn it? See, this is the game we start to play. And we, we start to say, well, yeah, that guy hears the Lord. He's got to, like, lead a church. Or, yeah, she hears the Lord. She's really important, but not me. And Satan has weaponized this because there's people that get really mad about this topic. Like, really? I was just reading a book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Anybody read that? Chapter 10 uh, starts with the story of Henry, Mr. Blackaby. Dr. Blackaby, teaching almost identically what I'm telling you, that God is noble, real, and speaks to his kids. And he said a man came up to him angry and said, I I swore I'd never listen to a man like you ever again. A man that insists that God can be known and that God speaks. And then Henry just says, like, I don't know why he said this. He said, all I asked him was, are you having a hard time hearing God? And he said, the man started to weep. And they began to pray together. And by the end of that conversation, that man walked away hearing the Lord. So maybe that's you. Maybe this whole God speaks thing feels like an affront on Scripture. I promise you I love the Word of God. That this church loves the Word of God. The Word of God says the Spirit will do this. The question is, are we going to test it how the Bible tells us to? Are we going to handle it and shepherd it the way the Bible tells us? That's the question. So maybe you're in here, and we're about to talk about this, and you feel that. like I think Christians long to hear the voice of God. You want your Father in heaven. You want to know him. But somehow life, or maybe some really poorly digested theology, convinced you you couldn't. Every Christian, this is not a gift statement. I'm not in 1 Corinthians 12, am I not? Every Christian can hear the Lord. God wants to speak to his kids. God wants to lead his kids. And I feel the love of God for you. Satan and some angry old white dudes convinced us we couldn't. Why do I say that? You know why I originally decided? Everything I'm teaching you, about to teach you, I did not believe about four years ago. Why? Because my my professor told me. Who told him? Probably his professor. And who told him? A guy that probably had somebody do something wrong and then overreacted made a theology where they cut off the voice of God. So, if you look at the Bible, what kind of people does God speak to? You want to know my answer? All the kinds. From the least to the greatest, from kings to peasants, from unmarried orphan girls to King David himself, God speaks. Even just walking through the book of Acts, you'll see him speak to apostles, deacons, Jewish females, Philip's four daughters. I mean, the church in Antioch we just read even speaks to elders in Jerusalem. He's constantly, even unsaved Gentiles in Cornelius' house, God speaks to. Even you in this room, if I was to get in a conversation with you, like you ever heard God speak? Some of you'd be like, no, God doesn't speak. I'd be like, "Wrong." John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Whose sheep are you? You're in church, you say Jesus. <laughs> You're Jesus' sheep. So even go back to the day that you were saved, sitting in maybe a church like this, maybe not so much, and you felt the call of God and you were like, and you almost felt like the son of God was like, I'm gonna save you today. And what did you say? Yes, you are. Whose voice was that? Whose voice was that? Whose sheep are you? What does the word say? I know them. Jesus knows everything about you. And he knows if you're struggling to hear him, and he knows if you're struggling to follow, and he knows where you came from last night. He knows everything about you. And he says, my sheep, they know my voice. And they follow me. He follows that up in John 16 with what the spirit of God is going to do who you have in you. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not, what's that word? You don't wanna to talk to me? You're like, what is the word? I don't know, I don't know English all of a sudden. You asked me a question, I got nervous. He will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority but only what he hears from the Father. So the spirit of God, which you have, which regardless of your theology or where you come from background wise, you know you have because you were sealed with him. What's he do? Well, he speaks. What's he speak? What the Father says. What's the Father say? Well, Jesus said he only did what he saw the Father doing. And who do you follow? Jesus. Beautiful. So here's a question. And here's, as we break this down, who's gonna hear and what are some good, good just principles for hearing the Lord as a Christian? Well, number one, I think it's hard to hear God's voice if you don't believe he's speaking. It's really hard. I, so seven years ago, I was convinced that this got written, God shut it down, and that God no longer spoke. I already talked about I was taught that, right? So what I had basically theologically done, I put on earmuffs and went, it ain't happening. I don't even need God to show up or speak because I know what he thinks. I don't need God to say anything new because I got what he already said, what did I effectively do? I shut him down. I wasn't needing God. I didn't hear God. And I, if you would have said, if you actually, in those days, I had multiple people show up at this church and be like, God speaks. And I'd be like, get out of my church. Very not nice. So what changed? Well, I went back to scripture and I went, I can't find a verse that says he stopped. In fact, I seem to find a lot of verses that say that he is, and he does, and he will, and that I want that, and that really, I think what you need to realize is God is more inclined to speak when he knows he's being heard. Which is. It'll get up there. In the wilderness, you have God's people, the Israelites, right? Now, they have watched God do some stuff. Do you know what I mean? They're enslaved in Egypt. Go watch the movie Prince of Egypt. to get the whole thing. Uh, they watch God split a sea and lead them into freedom. They watch God lead them in a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. They watch manna come down from heaven. They watch the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob lead them and save them and restore them and speak to them. They watch glowy-faced Moses come down a mountain with Ten Commandments, they watch a mountain fill with smoke and shudder at the coming of God on high. And over and over again, especially in the book of Hebrews, it'll bring up this point. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart like you did in Meribah. Why? Because the people of God in the wilderness, they got to this point where they hardened their hearts and they stopped listening. And then they went, I wish I could go back to Egypt. I wish I could go back to slavery. At least there I could have food I like. Stupid manna. Who says that? You know what I mean? And the same principle of hearing the Lord now is more inclined to speak when he knows he's being heard. There's a principle in the Bible. Those who seek, knock, and the, the, those who hunger and thirst will be satisfied or filled. So often, though, we get to a point where we're like, I got enough, God. Don't let anyone tell you you have enough of God. Don't let anybody tell you not to pursue him or love him or honor him. Don't let anybody tell you that's as close as you can get. Moses went into a tent. You know what they called that tent? The tent of meeting. Who was he meeting with? God. Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day in the garden. Who'd they walk with? Abraham made a covenant with a man who was called the angel of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. What do theologians say that person was? Jesus himself. Those are all pre-runners, forerunners to what we are in, a new and better covenant. We don't have to come outside of the veil and send one high priest in every year hoping that it takes and sending goats into the wilderness we get to come through a new and living way into Christ, into God, and now we cry out, Abba. So we get to know God. And I'm, I, I don't know what it is, why as humans, and especially uh, American Christians, we're like, yeah, I can know God positionally, yeah, I'm saved positionally, know you're saved positionally, relationally, conditionally, all of it. And he's inclined to speak when he knows he's being listened to. I think hearing God isn't really about abilities, it's about affections. What I mean is, it's not about if you have a degree. It's not about if you have some title or power in the church. I think it's about affection. I think it's about willingness. So maybe it's not so much like, are you able? It's, are you willing? So let me give you a scenario, all right? You're laying in your bed tonight, and I don't care how you decide God speaks to you and you're imaginary place but let's say you have a dream tonight and in that dream you sell all of your belongings and you move to zimbabwe and you proclaim the gospel there and build a church you wake up you know it's from god you excited Or are you inconvenienced because so many people are like i want god to speak to me i want him to tell me what to do but I want safe kids, a white picket fence, a labradoodle, and a lot of money. So we want the things of God to get us out of hell, but we do not want the things of God if they'll inconvenience us. The voice of the Lord inconvenience. The voice of the Lord makes me look like a fool more than it makes me look put together. The voice of the Lord shakes and breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord makes mountains quake and want to fall into the sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful because it comes from who he is. Do you want to hear God? Now, the Christian answer is, boy, do I. Just be aware of who you're asking to speak. Are you willing is much more an apt question than are you able. Dallas Willard, who's actually a dead theologian, but he wrote a book called Hearing God, So if all of this stirs up, like, I want to hear God, get that book, $37 on Amazon, which is a lot for a book, but geez, it'll peak. But it says, so if you find yourself in the position of the one who can honestly say, God has never spoken to me, then you might ask, why should God speak to me? What am I doing in life that would make his speaking to me a reasonable thing for him to do? Perhaps we do not hear the voice of God because we don't expect to hear it. Or perhaps we don't expect it because we know that we fully intend to run our lives as our own and never seriously considered anything else. The voice of God would therefore be an unwelcome intrusion into our plan. By contrast, we expect the great ones in the way of Christ to hear and and that voice just because we see their lives wholly given up to doing what God wants. So the question, how do I hear is actually just push that one out and go, what would I do if I did? What if God called you to sell all your belongings and take your kids to a country where they will murder them? And you were convinced it was the Lord. What if God made you and interrupted your life and said, I want you to do your business different? What if he said, hey, hey, husband, I want you to get home and I want you to get on the floor and I want you to play with your kids even though you're dog tired. You're like, I thought you were talking about mission. We all, we're talking about the work of God. Talking about husbands being like Jesus, wives being like Jesus, men and women who are submitted to what God our Father wants. And then I think finally, you you gotta say this is a kingdom principle, the humble here. Humility is at the high priority in the kingdom of God. For God opposes the but gives grace to the humble. So if ever in a moment where you go, I know more of this book than you, flex on you, I'm doing it wrong. On the other side, I have exceedingly great revelations in the spirit of God, sit down and listen to me, also equally wrong. Why? Because there's humility. Humility is the principle of the kingdom. There's no room for pride in it. In fact, the moment I see any prophetic person get prideful, I'm like, I don't think he's gonna hear the Lord much longer. And as soon as I see a man get really prideful with this, I'm like, here comes the chastisement of the Lord. Humility is is like, I prefer and submit to God's ways, not my own. And so here's the follow-up question. Not only who hears and how to do that, but how do we discern when God is speaking to us? Like, how would you know? I made the joke of like, was that? I ate a lot of pizza before I went to bed and chugged a whole keg of Sprite. And then I had this really weird dream. It was the Lord, right? And I hear this all the time. It's like the going joke. But yes, there's some lists in the back at the door, uh, ways that God speaks to us. A guy named Sam Storm, smarter than me, wrote that. But yeah, does God speak through dreams? Yeah. Could an angel show up? Sure. Are there visions? Yes. Impressions, yes. All those are on there. Now the question is which ones are those are normal and when they happen, how do we know? How do we know? Because if you, I've had tons of people run up to me and I don't share this really all the time, but most of the time when I'm I'm in worship right over here, nine out of 10 Sundays, somebody will come up to me and go like this. I heard the Lord. He wants to do this. So immediately I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna stop worshiping, I'm gonna listen to you. What's God doing? And then I immediately have to turn back and be like, how is that God? How do I discern that? You feel that? You all are gonna be a part of this because that's what God's doing in our body. We hear it all the time. God's speaking to me. God woke me up in the night. God, this really weird person, Andrew said this weird thing to me in the atrium, do something about it. I'm like, is that my job? The policeman of the prophets? Cool, I will. So when you're asking these questions, if maybe you're in here and you're like, for the first time in your life, God spoke to me. Number one question. What does the scripture say? What does the word of God say? So I'll give you a scenario. You're laying in your bed tonight and all of a sudden your room is full of the glory of light. And it's just like, oh. And an angel's there, right? That's that's how my angels come. I don't know about yours. So, oh and that angel's glowing, and it's beautiful, and it says, have no fear. You don't have to just follow Jesus. There's lots of ways to get to God. My wife just... Do you hear that? No. (laughs) Right. Now, why would I say that? I mean, you could quote so many scriptures, I hope, right? So if an angel of heaven comes and preaches a gospel to you other than the one that you receive, you say, get out of my face in the name of Jesus. In fact... Paul's going to go farther and say, let that person be accursed. Why do I know that? So no matter what the revelation is, I'm going to filter it through this book. So this is the rule for life and faith. Why do I believe God speaks outside the Bible? Because the Bible tells me he does. Why do I believe in prophetic giftings? Because the Bible says that they are real. Why do I believe that we can test things? Because that's what we get to do. So as you have your Bible, go to First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 22. As we become a church that is really growing, are you turning my mic up and down or am I just like talking to my shoulder? I like that. That's emphasis. I thought Dave was messing with me. As we become a church that is getting and growing, like we are I'm a kindergartner when it comes to the things of the spirit. I probably would say I'm probably more in high school when it comes to the Bible. That's me we are learning to be taught by the word and led by the spirit. But this verse, I've had to use this verse more in the last two years than any other verse. So welcome into the process of being a church that is okay with mess if we get the voice of God. But how do we test it? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 22 says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. We'll go on in a second, but I don't ever like to read this verse without pointing out that it just told you what the will of God is. And I have people come to my office, what's the will of God? And I take them to this verse, and they get so mad. They're like, no, no, I wanted to know if I should marry her or not. And I'm like, I think God's more worried about if you're rejoicing always. So this week, did you just, you were just giddy, stupid, joyfully rejoicing in God all week? You didn't do that either? Well, room to grow, right? Right? And then we got. well, I want you to be praying without ceasing. I want you to talk to God about everything. Pray, pray to him about marriage and sex and conflict and work. And Did he say sex? I did. Talk to God without ceasing about everything. Why? Because he's my father in heaven and he cares for me. And then he says, give thanks in all circumstances. So good stuff happens to you. What? Thank God. Bad stuff hits the fan. Guess what? Thank God. That's harder, right? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So this is our work. This is our work. So someone pulls on my shoulder, which like I said, is most services the day, these days, and it goes, this is what I feel the Lord is wanting to do. Immediately, I'm like, thank you so much for stepping out in faith and listening to our Father in heaven by the Spirit. I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna test it. You can go sit down. And then immediately, I'm like, all right, Lord, is there anything in the book that would like, go against that? And that, this is why, because he spoke this. And this is connected to his character. What I mean is, the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, God incarnate, the Word became flesh. Jesus is filled with the Spirit of God and goes out into the wilderness to be tempted. And every time he's tempted, what does he respond with? Scripture. Why? He spoke in the beginning. He's the one that it came through. And he's wielding it as the sword that it should be. It's his baseline. Every conversation, like for Jesus, Just put a scripture on it. It ends the conversation. And so when he says, test everything, hold fast to what is good, what that means is it's okay. In fact, if you come to me, and a lot of times when I look at people and I go, I feel like God might be saying this to you, and they go, I don't know, I'm gonna write that down and test it. You know what I say? Yes! Yes, you are. You're not gonna take my word for it at all. You're gonna be a Berean. You're gonna go test this to the word of God and you're gonna make sure it's the voice of God. And that's okay, did you hear me? So my Bible-leaning folks, this is a guardrail for you because you, we love to despise prophecy. We love it, you dumb charismatics. I am one now. So I mean like, I'm a reformed charismatic. Figure that out, right? So the guardrail is we're not gonna despise. We're not gonna quench, which if you do, though, it, it's a lot cleaner. It's a lot safer. There's not as many messes. You don't have to discern or test anything because you shut it down. Equally true, I find some charismatics when as soon as you go, I'm gonna test that, they get real mad at you. They go, why don't you take my word for it? Because I said, I take his for it. <laughs> I've never said that in my life, but I have. So do you see how it's, it's, it's this beautiful, it's what scripture does. It, it gets guide rails for us. So, what we're asking here is, and we, you've been in some services the last month where it's gotten a little lively. I mean, like, we had, a, I've talked to her, I called her on the phone, so I'm not talking behind her back. A lady stood up and yelled what she felt God was feeling. And I stood right in front of that lady while she yelled and gave her a hug. And I called her, and I was like, What are you feeling? Was that the Lord? Was that zeal? And she's like, Oh, I'm so embarrassed. And I'm like, You don't have to be embarrassed. We're weird. So, what did we do? We tested, we shepherded. And now I'm talking to you about it. So here's what we would like. Uh, I want us to be a church that's okay with testing everything. Like, it's just okay. Why? Because we're Bible people. But we're equally okay, and I am zealous for and love the word of God. Like, and I mean, I love prophetic words. I want the prophetic voice in this church loud. But we're going to do it the way the Bible says. And so what we've been thinking is, how's the best way to do that in services, Okay. So here, if you're feeling led by the Lord to lead something, yeah, you could come pull on my shoulder, but I'm gonna ask one thing from you. If possible, can you write that stuff down? What I mean is, I know sometimes you're like, I'm just feeling the Lord. I don't know how to put it into words. I just gotta say it. I can't write it. We still want you to go back and write it down and hand it to an elder. We're gonna be identifying. Usually it's me because people know who I am in the room. Dave's a good target for this. But any elder, we're working on badges and everything. We're working on this. We want God to speak. We want to value that, but we also want to protect that. We want to test all things, because we just were told to by the Bible. Then we want to testify to it happening or not. Does this make sense? So when people get healed in this church, you know what we tell them now? Go to your doctor. Get scanned. Come back here with medical proof because we want the world to trust that Jesus is a healer. So also on the flip side of this, it says, test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. That means if we're testing, it's not all gonna be true, correct? So there's a likelihood that one of these days I could get up here, pop off and be like, God wants to do this and it not happen. And What will I need to do if I'm gonna test it and own it and be a good shepherd? I'm gonna have to come back the next week and be like, guys, Missed it. I was zealous. I, I, I really leaned into it where I shouldn't. That'll be a fun work too, won't it? Y'all can stone me as a false prophet later. Okay. I don't think that's what a false prophet is. Those are some of the practice, practicals we're talking about because the reality is God is speaking in this church. And I'm not ashamed of it. I love it. I would live there. So as a body, we are literally taught by the word, led by the spirit, okay? I think when we talk about, hey, ask this question first, what does scripture say? That's number one, how do I know this is the Lord? Two, obedience matters. We've already kind of talked about this, but it's really, really important. Uh, If you want God to speak to you, I think it would benefit you to do what he asks. If God said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you with doing this work, and you say no, I think that's some form of a chastisement or judgment for you. So he's actually saving you sometimes. He's saving you from grief. He's saving you from judgment. Now here's the other thing is, uh, we talk about that awkward gap. I chicken out all the time. Anybody else wanna relate? Good, thank you. Like you, you feel that moment, you're out in public, the Lord's like share the word with him, and you're like, Everybody in the room's like, get the AED. You're like, no, I'm fine. I'm just being a weirdo, right? So I have so many moments had God be like, tell her that or share that with him or really open up the Bible to him or he needs this or encourage him there. And I'm like, get to that awkward gap. And I'm like, nope. And I go home and take a nap. Like, and you see, the thing is, it's okay to fail. But there was an invitation to partner. Now, I missed it. I've missed it a thousand times, but what I'm finding is the more I say yes, the more I find that he's inviting me. The more that I say, oh, I'll share, I'll crucify people's opinion of me. I don't care if they like me. I don't care if I'm the weird one. I just care if they know that you like love them. I just care if they're saved from hell. I just care if he gets healed. Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, which comes down to again, If God spoke to you, what would you do? Would you flex your life or be like, that doesn't fit the plan, Lord. Thirdly, when we talk about is that the Lord or not, experience is actually a helpful thing, but experience is really shunned in academic places of Christianity. What I mean is experience is very fallible and subjective, but when it comes to hearing the Lord, It actually, this is how I learned. So in the beginning of this, uh, I was kind of closed off, but then I began to say, okay, what's scripture say? Those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. God, your word says that those that are led by you are sons of God. I want to be one of your sons. Would you lead me by your spirit? And then what would happen is, and I don't tell people this stuff, but I guess I have to now. I would start to see like pictures in my mind. Like I would see Oxford McDonald's and I would see a man wearing a red shirt, and then guess what I would do? I would go there. I wasn't, wouldn't kick in the door, any red shirts? I actually would go there with a lot of fear and trepidation, like, oh boy, what if there is? And so I would go where I would see these things, or I would say to someone, hey, this might be weird, but I saw this when I was praying for you. Does that mean anything? Sometimes they would be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, well, I don't either. So let's just go over here then, uh, right? But that's how I began to realize that that thought, that little thought, that was God. Or that impression, or that pain, or that vision, or that thing that I thought was Andrew's ADD was actually the spirit of God in me going, I want to partner with you. Did I get it wrong? Yes. Did I learn the voice of God? Yes. It takes a lot of humility, and I think that's what's missing in a lot of the young charismatic movement. So can we not be dumb with this? What I mean is, you tell a 20-year-old God's speaking, they just run around uptown Oxford telling everyone words. We're not doing that. We're testing everything. And if you want to do it in line with Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12.4 says that prophecy does a few things. It encourages, it strengthens, and it comforts. That's what it does. So when we do this, we want experience. And so even in the Bible, since we're Bible people, uh, Jeremiah 32, eight says, then I knew this was the word of the Lord. You're like, what's that have to do with anything? Well, Jeremiah is a prophet. He's called one. He hears the Lord tell him to go buy a field from his uncle. He thinks it's the Lord at least. And so he thinks enough of it to go try to do it. And he meets his uncle, and while he's having a conversation with his uncle, the prophet Jeremiah says what I just read to you. Then I knew. I thought he knew when he left. So he had an impression. I don't know what he says because it doesn't even tell us. He He knew it enough, though, that he was supposed to do a very specific thing, and he didn't know it was actually the Lord until the moment he put legs to it. That sounds scary, but it's in the Bible. Second thing I would say, or the fourth thing, and then we're going to land this point. There's a quality to the voice of God. The problem is the church is really accustomed to the voice of Satan and not the voice of God. We know what condemnation feels like. We know what the enemy deals in. He deals in shame, guilt, and condemnation. So Satan comes to you and points out your sin and he goes, you'll never be good and you'll never be good again. That's a lie. And you feel like you'll never escape it. God comes in with godly conviction and he points at the thing specifically and he goes, son, that shouldn't be there. Let's get rid of that. With hope, with life, with a wooing to it, an invitation to freedom. Not you're horrible and I hate you, but I love you and want to bring freedom. It's the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the accuser. So when we talk about hearing the voice of the Lord, if I was to be really passionate right now and raise my tone and be very emphatic, you would know it by my tone, by the quality of my voice. If I was to get really quiet and somber, you would know. When God speaks, there's a quality to it. There's a power and a life There's a place that God speaks that's not threatening and it's not intimidating. It's the voice of the Lord, the one that loves you. And learning that voice has changed my life. And it's not for really high men and lofty places. It's for the people of God. Last two, number one, don't do this alone in isolation. There's a principle of community in the kingdom. When we hear things from God, I write them down and I test them because I'm told to and I immediately go to other godly men who have walked in this stuff longer and I go, does this sound like something God would lead me to do? Does this sound like something that fits the God that we serve? And we're testing. This is a body. This is a people. This isn't, oh, a couple guys up here are the really anointed ones and everybody else, you just gotta listen to what they say. No, this is, God is leading us to be formed into the image of his son, so that we are the image of God to the earth. And so if God's gonna speak, it would make sense that he'd have us test it, not by myself in my closet, but with the body. It's their safety there. What I've noticed, though, is the more spirit or prophetic stuff you put on a person, the more they wanna run alone. Don't do that. Satan will outwit you, and you will be deceived. Do it in community. And then finally, there is always with the things of God speaking, will it produce the fruit of the spirit? Not will it produce like ecstatic emotion or power. Does it produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gracious, self-control? Every time God has spoken, every time God has encountered me, every time God has led me to a McDonald's, you know what it's led to? Me on my knees, weeping, going, thank you, God. Move in that man's life. God, thank you that you use a guy like me. Like, I love you. Like, it doesn't lead to a haughtiness. I don't know if you know this, but pride is not a fruit of the spirit. Arrogance, equally, not a fruit of the spirit. And there is arrogance in the high intellect of Christianity, and there is arrogance in the high spirit of Christianity. And we want to walk in the lowly places that the power of Christ would rest on us. So I'll say one last thing just to my Bible-minded folks because I hear you. The infallibility of the speaker. So our God, when he speaks, it's accurate, true, and clear and right. There's nothing false with him. He's always true and pure and holy. His ways are beautiful. He's infallible. He cannot be wrong. But the infallibility of the speaker does not guarantee the infallibility of the hearer, which is you and me. Because we are fallible. We do get stuff wrong. In fact, the Bible calls you and I jars of clay. I liken it. Did anybody's mom pack them brown paper bag lunches? My mom did. Wrote a little note to me. Love Lynette, except it didn't say Lynette. It said mom, but Whatever. Take a brown paper bag and put an atomic bomb in it, right? So you have a very big power source and a very not strong carrying thing. You are jars of clay, full of the spirit of God, which is the glory of God, the person of God. Cracked, weak, leaky, but it's not about the jar. It's about what it's full of. It's about what's shining out of the jar. It's about are we willing as jars, vessels, to be poured out under the glory of the Son of God. And so I say that because I I struggled with, for so long people would come in and talk to me about God speaking. And you know why I fought them? Because in the back of my head I said, he doesn't speak to me like that. You know what that did? made me terrified that somehow I was out. But I knew this better than them. So you know what I did? I bludgeoned them to death with it. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to shepherd two different, very different groups right now. The very prophetic, like you, you live in the third heaven, man. Like, help. Help these guys. Help these women. That, maybe there's fear. But they're not afraid of God. I think everybody in here wants God. But somehow Satan or your sin or your life or who you are is convinced you you can't have him. But the Bible says you can. The Bible says you can walk with him and know him. The Bible says that God's intention was to save the world, not condemn it. That's John 3, 17. So I have three suggestions really quick. Number one, be quiet if you wanna hear God. Be quiet. We are the loudest group of people. We go from one thing to another thing to another thing to Netflix. And then we go, I can't hear God. You can't hear anything. And I'm, this is, the, here, go, men, work hard all day. Wear yourselves out, love your family, and then sit down and turn your brain off. That's fine. I don't think God's against that. But when we talk about hearing the Lord, I set aside time where I put my phone in a different room And I go away by myself and I go, this is for you, Father, because I want to know you. And so silence in the Bible is not passive. It's, I know he's coming. I know I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Number two, be patient. We live in a McDonald's instant gratification world. You do not look at the king of heaven and earth and go, Talk to me. That is not how this works. I go, if you talk to me, I'll do everything I can to steward it. But even if you don't, I'll praise you. But he wants to. But I think he's more concerned about your affections and your character than if you can flex if he's talked to him. So be patient. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield. And then finally, be confident. 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Father, would you just speak to him? To speak to me, Lord? Scorpion! God, would you let me know what I'm supposed to do? Here's Satan, you talk to him. That's not how this works. You have a good heavenly father who's infinitely better than an earth, earthly dad. And an earthly dad does not trick their kids with snakes and scorpions. And a heavenly father who you say we know through Jesus Christ doesn't say, Lord, lead me, and then go, ah, I let him fall in a pit. not the God we serve. And so, please, take everything I just said to you. Go be Bereans. Test it. Go search the scripture for it. And then do not let your love of God or your pursuit of God be lessened at all. So let me do a thing. And I want to end and I want to get the kids picked and I want to do all that stuff. Um, But I have a deal with God that I won't talk about him doing a thing and then not let him do it. What I mean is, it'd be, it'd be a shame to talk about God speaking and leading and then be like, now go lead your lives. Can we ask God to lead us? And then I'm gonna have the band come and uh, they're gonna start playing and, and when I, we're dismissing, but it's like a soft dismiss. I wanna pray and ask God to speak then they'll start worshiping and that's kind of your cue to go get the kids and come back in and worship or it's your cue to go get the kids and go home. If you stay, you're not more spiritual or more loved by God. Um, I would say that we, our prayer teams are gonna come up here during worship and if you're just like, man, I, I feel like what you said. I, I feel like a shame or like I feel like unworthy to hear the Lord. Would you come get prayer before you leave? There's nothing broken with you i just want to pray it off of you and then pray god's identity over you so without any fanfare there don't start playing music yet we you don't need music you don't need mood lighting notice we don't have any phasers or fog machines what i mean is you don't need all any external things to hear the lord you just need him so father i ask that you would come and you would speak by the holy spirit Father, you're a good father, the best, actually, better than good. I ask for Acts 13 to happen in this room, that while they were worshiping and fasting and praying and listening to the word of God, the Holy Spirit said. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.